Hey, this is Rob, and welcome to another episode of Give Us This Day, our daily Guinness. It's the day. Oh, I'm, ah, I'm starting. I'm starting off the episode stumbling over my words. I can't get it out. What, what the hell am I trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Slow down, Morgan. All right, here's the deal. Uh, This is my experiment. What would it look like if I turned this podcast into a daily podcast? These are the daily episodes. It's my experiment to try to uncover what I think it means to live a curious life. What does it mean to position yourself in the universe and your interactions with other people and the way you deal with yourself? If you've been following along with the podcast, you know I'm not talking about just asking more questions. But that said, I do have a question for you today. My question for you is this. How do you become confident? Uh, are you just, when it comes to confidence, are you just, do you think, are we, are we just born confident? The le- Whatever level, I mean, I mean, it kind of feels that way, by the way. Uh, it, I have friends of mine, oh, oh geez, well, it's friends, holy crap. Take Sarah, my wife, for example, is one of the most uh, self-actualized, confident people that I have had the honor of spending time with. I'm so thankful that I've got to spend the past six and a half years living with her and seeing what it can look like to balance humility and confidence at the same time. But she just seems, uh, to me, she just, I've asked her before, like, are uh, you know, I've tried to uncover, okay, what are the things you do to be co- a confident person, to believe in yourself, to know if you are facing a situation you've never faced before, that you can get through it, that you can crush it. She just is naturally, naturally believes in herself and has that. I, on the other hand, don't have that natural confidence and just whatever I'm going to, well, I know, some, I know probably listening to this podcast and me having conversations with random people that I've never met before, uh, it might, um, it might look like I just feel confident and I don't have to, th- I never deal with any insecurities. I'll just walk up and talk to anybody I want to. But here's the deal. Uh, I deal with insecurities on a regular basis and there is something that I've discovered that has helped me uh, overcome this specifically when it comes to approaching people I've never met before and I want to interview them like I did with this episode of the podcast How does a person become confident? It's something I'm obsessed about. What are tactical uh, things that we can do in life that will instill confidence in us, that will allow us to position ourselves? Because listen, when you're insecure, uh, I don't think there's a lot of room for curiosity and insecurity. When you're insecure, you're so completely focused on your own self and your own feelings and your own... uh, your own situation that you don't have the mental oxygen, the mental real estate to be listening to someone else, to be wondering what this other person's feeling, uh, what position, what place in life they're in. Uh, It's only when we are able to be confident in ourselves and have trust and faith in our own selves uh, that we can approach other people and move the attention from inward, introspective, to outward, to the world around us, Now, here's the deal. Uh, I've been reading a book called uh, The Art of Soulful Persuasion. Uh, But one of the things he's talking about in this book is how telling someone just to be confident, you just be more confident, act more confident, feel more confident. Uh, just, you know, try try to embrace a feeling of confidence. He says in this book that that is one of the worst 
pieces of advice that you can give someone. It's like telling someone to feel sleepy. Uh, you can't force yourself to feel tired. Uh, it just happens naturally. But there's things you can do. Uh, there's things you can do physically to wind your body down, your mind down, so you allow yourself to become tired. And he talks through in this book about certain things uh, that we can do to uh, present uh, an air of confidence, not errors like we're faking it, but present ourselves in a confident manner. And that will lead to the world around us actually trusting us a little bit more. The book is fascinating. I highly recommend it. Uh, the art of soulful persuasion. Uh, I'm about halfway through, uh, book club, anybody book club. You want to jump into this with me? Anyways, um, Something I've dis- I want to share something with you. Something I've discovered on this podcast, and even uh, that was brought up in this conversation and interaction I had yesterday, uh, has brought up a oh man, a, how do I say this? A really strong belief uh, that I have when it comes to what what I believe I personally need in my life to become a more confident person. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to share with you a short conversation that I had yesterday. I'm going to explain it, how this came about in a second. But afterwards, I'm going to come back and I want to share with you one thing that I've been making a habit uh, in my life uh, that has that has led to massive amounts of confidence or grit or fortitude in my life. It's something tactical that you can start doing right now. Uh, and this conversation I had last night reminded me of it. So I'm going to share those with you right after this, and then I want to end this episode with a flashback to question number 13, my conversation with Scott Dillon, because I think what he had to say really tied into uh, this topic of confidence and uh, really ties it all together and was a catalyst into uh, making a difference in my life in this subject. So last night, my wife, Sarah, and I, and our friends Tim and Ariel Gugadon went to a place called Chicago Avenue Fire Arts Center, and that's in South Minneapolis, and they were having an open house. And what Chicago Avenue Fire Arts Center is, is it's the center, it's this community that teaches classes uh, on all these art forms that are that that use fire, so like forging, uh, blacksmithing, uh, heating up glass to make neon signs. They teach all these classes. They're also a place where you can rent out space uh, to create things. They are hired by the state to create art, uh, but it is a community centered around essentially art and fire and community and openness and teaching. And so we went to this open house and they had all these exhibits up where you could watch people blacksmith or, uh, pour metal or make jewelry. And it was fascinating. After about an hour and a half, I felt like, well, there's, I'm, that there's more questions on all these individual situations that I'd, I'd like to ask that I'd be curious about, but I feel like I've got a really good grasp on what this organization is. But then I reminded myself, listen, that's what this, that's not what this, uh, listen, this day, listen, I remind myself, Hey, Rob, listen, this is what the daily podcast is all about. It's about realizing that what it is people do rarely uh, tells us 
why they do it or what's behind it, what drives them or the real benefits of it. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to sit down, uh, talk with a couple of the officiators at this event and find out more about the Chicago Avenue Fire Arts Center and what it is that they're doing in the community. So I sat down with Ashley and Jill and quickly discovered that, you know, yeah, they're teaching people uh, these art forms, but they're actually through this subconsciously instilling confidence in anybody that takes these classes and moving forward in life. So here's a brief portion of my conversation. It's a little noisy, uh, but it's just like four or five minutes of my conversation uh, with Ashley and Jill. But stick around afterwards and I'll be back. Uh, This this might be a kind of random out of left field question for you. But most of the stuff, when I'm coming in here, I'm checking out. This is all mm-hmm. fascinating. But a lot of the mediums I'm seeing are things that I don't want, I don't, I don't want to say outdated. They're older, like blacksmithing, uh, like neon lighting, like the technology they were saying hasn't changed for 100 years. What is it you think that people in 2019 are still drawn to, these really old creative mediums? With- I also would pose that some of the other mediums of art that you interact with on a more daily basis, including drawing, photography, ceramics, are much older um, yeah. than the things that you are referencing right now. Interesting, yeah. Um, and I'd say the oldest art form here that's currently being done is foundry. Oh, really? Because you think of the Bronze Age. Yeah, yeah. Those are things that were done. What's considered foundry? Um, So, metal casting. Okay. So, like, pouring of bronze, iron, pewter, things like that into molds. So, anything that's being melted down, the metal is being melted down? Yep, and then you're pouring it into a mold of some sort. And there's a lot of different ways to make a mold, but that's the, like, most basic. Now, do you, like, what kind of... uh, levels of classes do you teach here is it like there's a wide variety there's we do beginning classes in most things yeah um and then there's options to it's called like a re-spark where you take the same class and now that you know how to use this equipment like you can go a lot farther right in those like eight to ten weeks that you have but we also have classes that are like a weekend where you get to make a bottle opener in blacksmithing or something okay see that's cool because i I just think of the classes i think blacksmithing it's it's you commit to uh, like one night a week i think i was Mm -hmm. hearing yep it's a long time but i didn't know three hours okay generally our classes are from like six to nine p.m i think oh Oh, man that's so cool yeah like a 10-week course yeah but also to bring it back to your point about um older art forms yeah uh, oxyacetylene welding wasn't really created until about 100 years ago so in terms of artistic forms with something that is like a huge piece of equipment it is a is way newer than drawing photography ceramics you know that is the newest thing that we have interesting is there like one biggest misunderstanding people have about the fire arts that you regularly see um less so about it and more about their incapability of trying i think there's a boundary of people thinking that this is something that they could 
pick up, I'd say, especially for women and especially for people of color. Um, these are art forms that are not necessarily... Yeah, like ability. We do a lot of classes with um, groups that have uh, different abilities that are usually facilitated through. Are you moving your hands like a mobility issues, maybe? Yeah, or okay. like sightedness or other oh, things, you know. But they have a, a varying degrees of yes. ability. Um, and, and I know yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Teaching woodworking primarily, but yeah. Ashley, I'm so pumped you said that because that's. This gets me so pumped about why I'm doing these kind of conversations to get behind mm -hmm. the what it is people do and why they do it. And it sounds like, from what you said, a massive piece of this is empowering. Oh, like, yeah, sure, I think so. Have you, I, I'm, I can just imagine if I, were, if I were one of you, seeing people come in here. I mean, I'm just initially thinking of like confidence, right? I mean, this is like the place that is like, um, this is why I love this. Place. Blacksmithing. I mean, he may have had to give me uh, his son's, his ten-year-old son's hammer to make yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But like, it was super fun, and I was like, and I really enjoyed it, and I really like wanted to like incorporate that into jewelry making. And like, I don't know, it's like really fun to like, try different things, and you know, not feel scared that you can't do it. You know. 100%. And this is like a cool place to be able to do that. Oh man, see, I love that. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about how if that happened in blacksmithing, how much that carries over to everything else. It's like, oh yeah, I knew nothing about this. I can totally dive in, and it's just a matter of time. Until I'll help you figure it out. And figure out your way. Yeah, I don't know uh, the guy's name that is doing the um, the silver clay upstairs. Upstairs, yeah, precious metal clay. Precious metal clay. Yeah. She, she was amazing. We walked up, my wife and I walked up, and she goes, have you ever heard of precious metal clay? And we're like, I know nothing about it. And her face instantly lit up. Like, she's so pumped. Like, she's so excited about the new teaching thing. Yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. Okay, thanks for hanging out with me. This is so cool. Ashley, Jill, huge thank you, massive thank you for taking the time to sit down with me and have a conversation. Um, I got home from uh, this event and I found myself thinking about that thing they said about, uh, Jill, was, Jill was talking about how she took a class and it instilled within her confidence moving forward. It was the pushing through and doing something that she didn't think that she had the skill set to do and realizing, oh, this was within me. I can learn this thing that allowed her to move forward and approach other situations in life the same way. And it reminded me of my conversation with Scott Dillon and the question, it's question number 13. I mean, put a link to the full episode in the show notes below, but the conversation was uh, Scott talking about how he thinks that wins in life and focusing on winning in certain areas of life is massively underrated. And in our conversation at first, he was talking about necessary, he was talking about sports analogies and me being 
complete crap at anything athletic, I instantly realized, oh, this isn't just about sports and winning at that. This is about uh, holding on to wins in life and the things that we've succeeded at or overcome and realizing uh, that if we remind ourselves of those situations when we come into hard situations where we are doubting ourselves, uh, if we remind ourselves of those wins, that will actually give us confidence to realize, oh yeah, listen, I've gone through this before, I've crushed it before, I can do this thing, even though it's completely new to me, I could push through and do it again. Here is a snippet of my conversation from Scott Dillon. Question number 13. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you are, I hope you find confidence, uh, not just for confidence sake, not just for your own personal gain, uh, but I hope you find confidence so that you can have the mental oxygen uh, and the mental capacity to look outward to listen more, to be more empathetic and pay attention more to the world around us uh, and not be stressing out on just what's going on inside. And as always, stay curious. The other thing I've learned that I don't have a ton of experience in is, is how important winning really is. Like winning in the competitive spirit in anything you do is so critical. And I've thought about, um, in my life, I'm 43, I've only won, like truly competed and then won like a title twice in my life. The first one was in fifth grade, Robius Elementary School. There was a two square tournament for the entire grade. Do you know what two square is? Bouncy ball, you hit the ball oh, back yeah, and forth yeah. between the squares. Is it like we had four square? Yeah, right. But it's just, but it's just two square. Okay, yeah, 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 same game. So it's yes, a little bit yes. more intricate, right? Yeah, yeah. And then one on one action for the whole grade, so four hundred kids. Yep. I won the boys' title, and I can still to this day remember that feeling of winning, of of competing against yes. an adversary or whoever, you know, an opponent, and then yep. winning and the feeling that gave me of accomplishment. Yeah. I'm not talking about winning awards or winning gifts from people. Like something where it's up to you to beat the other person is is a is a um, a feeling I think that I worry is softened. And I, I have two kids that are they're 10 and 8, and they're amazing, and they play in sports, and winning is de-emphasized, and it's, I... I Everybody gets a participation yeah, trophy, which is, you never feel let down. Right, yeah. and they're learning great skills, they're yeah. learning teamwork, and I, yeah. I love everything about the sports, but yeah. um, I, and I've seen some sparks of when my kids win their games, like, you just, you want to see that that, there's that competitive spirit inside of people, I think that helps you in life. Uh, instead of just relying on the experience, I hear that a lot. Like, you know, oh, just, but the experience you learn along the way, that's just as valuable. I completely disagree. It's yes. crazy valuable, but it's not as important as the feeling you get when you actually win something. And, you know, Wimbledon's going yeah. on right now, and yeah. think about like a tennis tournament or whatever. When these guys win, they fall flat on the grass or the surface, and they're like, you can just see the emotion that comes yes. with it. So having that competitive spirit in whatever you do to try to win, I think, is really a trait that you need to yes. take with you. Yeah. Because it, it teaches okay. you about um, overcoming obstacles and what it feels like to win. And so I, I think about it now, yeah. and I equate it back to this shrub world that I'm living in when we're at farmer's markets or selling one-on-one. Like, I don't think of it as win-lose, but the, 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 high, the natural high you get from taking someone from no awareness of shrubs to 
handing you over 10, 12 bucks, whatever it may be, you kind of won that interaction. Now the job yes, is to keep absolutely. that relationship alive. But it's like, there's, there's a... Mm-hmm. There's a spirit there that I think will drive you in other aspects of your life to always totally. want to accomplish something. And I, I, I try to instill that in my kids all the yeah. time that um, it's important. It's not win at all costs. Don't be a jackass the way, you know, compete. Yes. And if you lose, that's okay too. Yes. You'll learn from losing. But man, when you can win, trust me, when you feel that, you'll know it. Yeah. You'll want more of it. And it'll instill that drive in you to keep pushing and working yeah. harder. Yep. Man, it makes you think of confidence. But I recently heard someone talk about, like, what, do you have advice for someone? Like, how do you instill, com- how do you get confidence? And we're in a world like, just like repeat over and over, like, I can do it. I can do this. But his deal was like, he thought it was a, a total load of crap. His deal was like, if you want to instill confidence in yourself, he's like, do something. And, and I guess it would relate to, in his words, it was essentially like, win. Do something and win and get, get a win under your belt. And that will instill confidence. It'll give you the drive to do the next thing. Yes, I love that. Because a win can be anything. A win yeah. can be like a small win. A, a win can be, a, making a decision can be a win. Like, okay, you know, yeah. just like yeah. actually making the call on something. Mm-hmm. You call that a win. That's, like, because it's yeah. like, you know, I heard a great, a great talk by Colin Powell. Remember that guy, Colin oh, yeah. Powell, oh, yeah. Secretary of yeah, yeah. yeah. So he gave a great. He calls I'm not a, that young of a millennial. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Just want to be sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. I don't know if it's his rule, but yeah. he subs- prescribes Vice to President the Colin Powell. Yeah. Go <laughs> yeah, on. Right, right. I think that's right. <clears throat> he prescribes to the forty seventy rule of mm. never make a decision with less than forty percent of the information you need to get there. But never wait longer than when you have 70% of the information you need to make a decision. And his point is, like, look, intuition and gut and then information to make a call and then make the call and go. It's the people that wait from 70 to 100% that are constantly churning and looking for answers and self-help guides and always looking for the next piece of input to help them make the decision. And that's the people that just churn and don't do anything and so I I love that it's like yeah. oh, look, I've got what I need yep. it's kind of like when we were sitting over there 30 feet away on shrubs we did enough homework to realize there's not a lot of national there's no national players there's no one here regionally at the time there's um, a huge apple cider vinegar push and so we had enough it's information like time. let's go yep. and we made the call and we went yep Versus doing a year of consumer research and a year of marketing research and, and you doing didn't do surveys. None. You didn't I, do no. Wait, wait, you didn't did do some. no research. Yeah, yet. totally. So that I, I, I can still remember making that decision was like, okay, now we chart our course towards execution. We won that decision making process. So yeah, wins can be however you describe them, but um, but I, I love the mentality of that. How you think about the act and the opportunity of winning is really important. <laughs>